Thank you, Henry. I'm going to try and uh, use a pulpit mic because I move around a little bit when I speak. They say white men can't dance, and I can't, and I don't, but I do move around a little bit when I preach. Um, I'll tell you what, everybody. The devil didn't want Union Gospel Mission at Killarney Mennonite Church today, but God did. And so together with God and Vern, we got picked up after our tire blew on a huge cube van, and we could have rolled, we could have dug into the ground, we might even be at the hospital, but there's not a scratch on us, and we're here at Killarney Mennonite Church, and we couldn't be happier. Praise the Lord. And, 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 and Killarney, I got to tell you, I, I, I've been here for about five, ten minutes, and I love this town. Where else can you go bowling, play hockey, get married, and curl all on the same day in the same building? You guys are brilliant, and I'm sure you've heard that joke about ten times every year, but anyways, there you go. Um, but what's really special about this community, and I ask myself, why would a church that's three hours away from Union Gospel Mission support Union Gospel Mission? And then I went to your website, and I came to your church, and I saw this. I saw serving with our hands, loving with our hearts, showing Christ's love, and growing God's family. And that's when I realized your mission is the same as the mission of Union Gospel mission. At Union Gospel, we strive to serve the poor, the naked, the hungry, and the thirsty. We strive to love with our hearts. We strive to show Christ's love. And in meeting those three needs, we strive to grow God's family. Just this week, I led two people to Jesus Christ, and I will see them in heaven for eternity. So thank you. Thank you for... Uh, for, for welcoming us, but thank you even more for deciding long ago when you were created here in this church, not to just read the word of God, but to live it out loud. I'm going to introduce our team to you here in just a moment, but let's read that scripture. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king, Jesus, will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. Thank you for doing it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to these brothers and sisters that we minister to every day at Union Gospel Mission, and to Jesus, as you are. My name is Pastor Ed Buller, one of the chaplains from Union Gospel Mission, and again, thanks for inviting us to join you here. Um, as part of our ministry to those who are on the streets, those who are poor, 
those who are addicted. Um, we actually have seven different ministries that you support. We have a ministry to uh, the street people. We have a sober living community uh, from which I've got two representatives today um, for uh, men who are trying to uh, and are succeeding because they are basing their recovery from their addictions on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the same type of a community uh, for women. We have an adult education center. We have a children's learning center. And we do so much more that your church in the, is in the business of supporting. And I want to introduce you to two men from our adult sober living center who are using the gospel to free them from their addictions. Camille and Dennis are both sitting here in the second row over there. And rather than have me tell you about what God is doing in their lives, I figured they should show you. And they should tell you. You don't need to hear a pastor ramble on for 45 minutes all by himself. So um, I'm going um, to ask Dennis to come on up here first and share his story. And I know it will inspire you. And then I'm going to ask Camille to come on up. They can introduce themselves. And then I will go ahead after that. Hello, thank you very much for having us. Hi, my name is Dennis. I'm a resident at uh, Union Gospel and I'm, I'm six months sober because of Christ and, and, and being, brought, being, being brought back to faith, to believing in Jesus again. Um, he's been, if it had not been for Jesus, I would not be standing here today thanking you for having us and um, for myself, I've, uh, I have stumbled many, over for many years if, with addiction and not been able to say no to drugs and alcohol. I have come, I've come in with my, my new brother Camille to the program together and we've, 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 I found happiness, I found Jesus again and Jesus is, Alcohol is not what I want anymore. Drugs are not what I want anymore. I want peace, I want love, and I found it. At Union Gospel, I have, I've learned to forgive things that have happened to me over the years. I've been, I've been abused, I've been neglected. I, in 91, I was assaulted, left for dead in the back lane. For, for many years, I held a grudge against this, this man who I wanted to harm. And knowing that forgiveness was, if I were to be forgiven for my transgressions, I had to forgive people. And this man would come and go from my life. And uh, not like a month ago, well, I, I'd seen him over the years. And I would be filled with rage and anger and vengeance, and I wanted to hurt him. But up until a month ago, when, I, when something happened, I, so I've served him dinner, I was able to serve him dinner, I was able to, I haven't talked with him, but I was, I was not angry, my anger is not there anymore, I don't want her. I want, you know, if anything, I pray for him, for what had happened, um, I feel so, 
so the weight of anger is not there with me anymore. I've, I forgive him. I'm, I'm pleased with the peace that I can have now without being hurt, without being wanting to hurt. It's something that I've, that I've struggled with all my life to be peace, a better, a better person and without Union Gospel Mission being there for me and you men and ladies helping us, supporting us, a lot of us would not have made it as far as we've had. We've had so many good stories. I've met, I've met so many good men and, and women in the program because of people like yourselves. And um, I would like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for having us here. And I thank you very much. Good morning, Killarney Mennonite Church. My name is Camille Nock, and I am a child of God. Uh, growing up, I had a privileged life. My parents brought my brother and I from uh, Poland. I'm from Poland, right to Canada, Winnipeg, Manitoba. They brought us here for a better life. They loved us and always showed it nonstop. At a young age, I was a popular guy with lots of friends. I could say, looking back, I was a leader. People did listen to me, and they showed respect. But I think that's where the pride already kicked in with me. Soon came the drugs, money, and women. I had faith in addiction, money, and people, and all of those have failed me. When I put my faith in Jesus, I was never let down. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he does not change. My journey with faith has been a slow process, but a pastor once told me that any progress is a good progress. Psalm 73:25, Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. This passage reaches out to me. I gave up the bottle for the Bible. Instead of stumbling around, I began to walk with Christ. I don't go tending to my own needs anymore because I know the Lord will have my back. Luke 9, 24, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Two years ago, I was drinking one night and I needed more alcohol, so alcoholics do. I didn't have any left, but I knew the closest place was a beer vendor and it was still open around 1.50. This was in the morning. So I started to walk by myself that night and unfortunately I did not make it to my destination, but maybe it was fortunate. But I woke up in the hospital after being stabbed nine times from a random stranger. I did nothing, nor did I do anything or say to him. I was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. I was a victim of a crime. Even after my near-death experience, I still went back to the only thing I knew, which was drinking. I finally had enough. I was puking every day, and it lasted like four days after, and I didn't know what to do with myself. But it was a sign. It's time to go to rehab. And at, at rehab, I met a pastor from the UGM, and he led me to Jesus. It was like God filled me with the power and holiness. It was God and the Holy Spirit that did surgery on me. I know God put me on this journey to keep improving my faith. In the future, I plan to grow my spiritual journey. I want to pray more and enhance my relationship with God. Reading the Bible is difficult for me, but I ask for each of you to pray for me. 
I just want everyone to know that there's only hope and everything else, everything else is going to go. I would like to encourage everyone who's listening and anyone who has anything going on in their lives to understand that it's from the Lord and he's using it for your own good. If you're questioning it, just keep going until you get that sense of relief of guilt and knowing that he is our true God. Thank you very much. May God bless everyone. Now you guys know why I love my job. Because I get to work with quality, quality men like that. And they're quality, and we're quality because Jesus is changing us. Every day. Each and every day. We were created, ladies and gentlemen, with a primary purpose. We were created to give God glory. Your support of Union Gospel Mission has led to Camille and Dennis's lives being changed, to their recovery. And today, as you heard their testimonies, did you hear God being given the glory? Did they take credit for any of their success? Or did you hear them giving God glory? Because we were created to give God glory. You and I were created to give God glory. Praise the Lord. Amen? That is incredible. Now we've all been tasked to go out into the world and preach the gospel. Another primary purpose. And that, after God got their lives back on track, that's what Camille, that's what Dennis are doing now. They have recovered. You've played a role in their recovery. You are now playing a role, thanks to your kind support of them, in them preaching the gospel. And I don't tell you this. I'm going to stop saying you guys are wonderful in a minute. Don't worry. I don't tell you this to give you a false sense of pride. I tell you this so you know that our Father in heaven is up there going, well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. Let me pray for the message. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the safety that you granted uh, our team on the way here. We prayed in Winnipeg that you would give us a safe travel. And even though we lost a tire on the way, you got us here safely. I thank you for the worship team that... Uh, that, that, that began this service in praise. I thank you for Henry for leading us this morning. And now I pray that this message would give you glory and would inspire and transform this congregation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today's message could be titled, How to Manage Challenges. I choose to call it Created for Glory, if you haven't already guessed that. I see hundreds of people every week at Union Gospel Mission whose lives are full of challenges. Those who seek strength in the Lord, like, Kai, like Camille and Dennis, always find not only comfort, but strength, recovery, and healing as well. Now, I'm not going to go into additional stories of those because you heard and actually saw Two very prime examples this morning. But I am going to share something else with you. 
that I hope will help you meet the challenges that you're facing in your lives. How many of you have a perfect life with no challenges whatsoever? Hands up. Good, because if your hand went up there, you and I would have a talk today at lunch because I want some of what you got, whatever that is. Um, I'm a diabetic. I'm an epileptic. I have kidney disease. My wife was going deaf in both ears, and then she went in for a surgery that had a 99% success rate to give her full hearing in uh, her right ear, a 99% success rate, and she was the 1% failure rate, so she went totally deaf in one ear overnight. I have a son with autism who can't go out the outside of the house um, because it scares him to, to live in daylights. I have a daughter who... Um, for a time in university, was so scared of, univers of, of university that, that she engaged in self-harm. So yeah, our family's busy. We got a lot going on. So why does God allow this kind of stuff to happen? Why does God allow your relationship to be in the situation it's in? Why does God allow your finances to be where they're at? How should we manage these challenges? Why does God allow you guys to wrestle with your addictions? Could it be? Did you notice I didn't say, why does God make you go through this? He allows it. And, and I, could it be that God allows our challenges, our crises, as opportunities to give him glory? Could it be? You know that this earth is pretty short, our time on this earth, right? You know that eternity beyond this earth goes on forever, right? You know that there's no hospitals in heaven. Nobody takes care of diabetics in heaven. Nobody takes care of epileptics in heaven. Nobody's deaf in heaven. Nobody has autism in heaven. There's no financial trouble in heaven. The streets are made of gold, for goodness sake. Could there be a reason why we're allowed to go through our challenges to give God glory so that people like Camille and Dennis and I can testify before you about the challenges we've faced so that it can inspire you to grow in your walk with Jesus? Or goodness gracious, like a month ago at Union Gospel Mission when I'm about to share the message I'm about to share with you, I had 10 people that I was talking to, and at the end I said, do you want that kind of power in your life? Power that can sustain you and help you through your challenges? Do you want Jesus in your life? Out of the 10 people, seven people stuck up their hand and stayed with me as we prayed for them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And those seven I'm gonna see after I pass away again? I was going to pass that story because I thought maybe it was a bit too funny. But I'm going to share it because the end of that story and the verse I want to share is really appropriate. Walking out of the bank one morning, I headed towards my car. 
And I got into my car, and I looked down at the drink holder, and I was surprised because there was a Dr. Pepper, a can of Dr. Pepper in my drink holder. And the reason I was surprised is because I don't drink Dr. Pepper. I quickly realized that this Nissan Rogue was not my Nissan Rogue. <laughs> but rather it was someone else's. So as I immediately got ready to go out, I noticed that there was a rather scared looking woman sitting in the passenger seat. Fearing for her life because she thought I was about to carjack her car. That day, I do not look like this. I was wearing ripped jeans, a baseball hat on backwards, and a, uh, a rather sweaty, summery t-shirt. And so I began to, I'm sorry, ma'am, excuse me. I, I, I thought this was my car. I, I'm, I don't mean to trouble you, I'm, and I made for the exit. But as I made for the exit, she looked at me. And her look of fear turned into a look of recognition. She said, Ed? <laughs> Eddie Buller? Nobody calls me Eddie but my mom. And I looked at her and it was Heather, a girl I went to high school with 30 years earlier. Well, actually 25. And we spent the next 10 minutes catching up on 25 years since high school. I mean, I had gone to Hawaii, she had gone to the States, um, she had gotten married, I had gotten married, we compared kids, we pulled out our cell phones and uh, tried to, who had the cuter puppy dog, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, then there was a knock, a real sharp knock on the driver's side window. And a very angry looking <laughs> six foot five inch tall gentleman at the window. And Heather laughed and giggled and she said, oh, that's my husband. He still didn't smile. <laughs> so I got out of the car and I reached out of my hand and I said, hi, I'm Ed. I went to school with your wife 25 years ago. And he went, so? So Heather jumped out of the car and protected me from getting killed and we all, uh, we all eventually made up and, and laughed and, uh, and went our separate way, crisis or challenge averted. Now why do I tell that story about a, in a message about God managing our challenges so that he can be shown glory? Because, a year, because Heather became my Facebook friend that day. And a year later, she messaged me on Facebook. She said, my husband left me. And now it's me and the three girls. And no one will talk to me at church because my husband is very popular and very powerful at church. That should never happen, amen? He's very popular and he's very powerful. And so no one will talk to me and everybody thinks that I'm the reason. And I kicked him out of the house. No one will talk to me. She goes, I don't know what to do. That night my wife and I had Heather and her three children over. And the three kids went to play with my kids. And we cried with her. And we prayed with her. And a couple days later, I met a very scary six foot five inch tall. The guy was like rock solid. 
And I met with him at Tim Hortons. And by the end of the donut time, he was crying as well into his double-double. It took six months, which is actually pretty quick. And he was back in the house. And the marriage is today a testimony to God's redemptive healing. And remember, Dennis talked about forgiveness and forgiveness. And neither one of them takes credit for it. You know, often when I do marriage counseling, couples blame each other. They don't blame God, right? And instead of taking credit for getting back together, Heather and her husband give glory to God, not to the pastor that helped bring them back together or whatever. Even though that guy, her husband, still doesn't call me by my name, he still calls me the car guy. God brings marriages back together. Not just, God, God doesn't create the problem, but God allows the problem so that he had been given, can be given glory. And I've seen marriages not be brought together because one side doesn't want to have it be brought together. But incredibly, through the woman or the man, they testify to God giving them the strength to parent, to get through and God still receives glory. Oh, by the way, there's no divorce in heaven. Just, you know, for the record. So what happens if I don't have that weird, funny little encounter in front of the Toronto, Toronto Dominion Bank? Maybe Heather doesn't put her name on my Facebook account. Maybe I don't get to talk with her husband a year later. Maybe that marriage isn't resumed. All I know is God allowed that first encounter so that the second encounter would be allowed so that God would receive glory, not for them being torn apart, but being brought together. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's why I love Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Someone comes to visit me at Union Gospel Mission every day. Every single day. He's addicted to crystal meth. And I ask him every day if today is the day to stop letting meth kidnap his life from him. And he tells me every day that meth has too much power. The other day I told him the story about God's power in a message similar to what I'm sharing with you today. I have hope. Pray for that man. My son has autism. I told you about that. One day he was so sick. We lived in Hawaii at the time. I know, I was called to suffer for the gospel in Hawaii. <laughs> the guys would literally bring surfboards to church. Uh, and our service started at 8.30 so that by 11 o'clock we could all be picnicking on the beach and surfing. I'm not kidding you. But in Hawaii, my son's autism got very, very bad. 
Um, he tried to kill himself. And we had to take him to the psychiatric hospital. And we believed, and the doctors believed, that he would not get out of the hospital. Long story made short, he did. He's at Robertson Career College today studying computers, so don't worry about how he turned out. But listen to this. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Bother, can we turn these on? Thanks. That was all my fault because I move around too much. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. We got into the hospital and I, I signed Ben into the ward, into the psychiatric ward. The doctor told me, you can visit him whenever you want, any time of the day, however long you want. And then I signed him in. And I said, Ben, don't you worry. Like the Lord, because I, I, I do Bible studies with my kids, I read scripture with my kids. I said, like the Lord, I promise you, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always be there for you. So as long as you need me, I'm here. We finally got him in his room, comfortable, resting at 11 o'clock at night. We had a terrible day. We had to fly him to Honolulu from the island of Kauai. He tried to jump out of our van when we were doing 60 miles an hour because he didn't want to go. He had to be sedated to get on the plane. Finally, we're in the hospital. The doctor says we can visit him. I plan on spending all night with him. When the nurse comes in and says, sir, you have to go. I said, but no, the doctor said I could stay whenever he wants. She goes, sir, this is the mental health psychiatric ward at Queen's Hospital. You can visit your son between 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock every day. And I said, well, then he's not staying. Because I promised him. And she goes, well, sir, you can't take him out without the psychiatric doctor's approval. I said, no one told me that. I was told I could see him all day long. And she brought up a little sign-in form. And she turned to the fifth page. You know that small print they have on all these things? And there it is, one little line. And I couldn't, I couldn't take him out. So I, I took him anyways. I start walking down the hall. And there's security. Three guys, all who weigh more than me. They look like the first guy I told you about, six foot five and solid muscle. My son is taken back to his room, and he has to be held down by two of these guys, because even though my son is a little over 12, he is going berserk. I've never seen that much power in that weight of a child. And he is screaming at the top of his lungs. Mommy, Daddy, you can't go because you promised like God you would never leave me and you would never forsake me. And that's not fair for a child to use God against their parents. Now, I couldn't cry because I was carrying my wife out of the hospital because she couldn't walk. Because that was her firstborn child. We immediately got a hotel room for the night. We actually had to get an a apartment for six months until my son was released from the hospital six months later. Praise the Lord. That's another story for another sermon when you invite me back, just not as a UGM guy, but as a preacher, okay, Henry? 
Sorry. So I come the next day, between one and two, and I'm outside the door like I'm lining up for a Costco opening. Okay? They open the door at one o'clock, and I rush in, and a nurse cuts me off. She says, excuse me, Pastor Buller, because they know I'm a pastor. Probably because I said I would pray for them for kicking me out. And they say, I need to let you know something before you see your son. I go, what? They go, well, we give every, uh, every patient here a roommate. We have no choice because of the way the hospital is short-staffed, etc. And I go, yeah, I, I expected that. Not quite as bad as Manitoba medicine, but I expected that. And she goes, well, I thought you'd like to know as a pastor that the child that is rooming with your son believes in the devil and worships demons. Come on! And we thought you might like to know that the, that, that the kid who's rooming with your son thinks it's Christmas because he found out that your son loves Jesus and is a pastor's child. So I marched to my son's room, pulled him out of the room, and I said, don't worry, Ben. We're getting you out of this, and we're getting you a new roommate. And this is what happens. Ben is 12 years old, and he looks at me, and he says, Dad, you believe in Jesus, right? I go, of course. You believe in God, right? I go, Yes, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and he goes, who's more powerful, God or the devil? And I go, Ben, that's an easy question. God is more powerful than the devil. Is God more powerful than demons, Dad? Yes, God is more powerful than demons, Ben. Well, then why do you want to move me out of that room? That other kid doesn't stand a chance. And demons and the devil are real. They're not a psychosis like the nurse thought. But Ben was right. And so I went to the nurse and I said, I don't want to move my kid. And the nurse said, okay. No, whatever happens to your kid, it's not my kid. Two weeks later, that kid was begging the nurses to move him out of my son's room. <laughs> Four weeks after that, two nurses on the ward came to know Jesus because of my son. So why does God allow my autistic son to be imprisoned in a hospital ward, to, to be put in a position where he screams at his mother and father, why are you leaving me? You promised you would never leave me or forsake me. To be put in a room with a child that worships the devil. Because there are two nurses who are going to be in heaven today, and my son is doing incredibly well. Hallelujah. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, King David wrote it, Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the muck and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He heard my cry. He heard my wife's cry crying out to the Lord. He gave us a firm place to stand. He gave my son a firm place to stand. Do you know what verse 3 says in Psalm 40? 
You know what? If you hear nothing I say today, go to Psalm 40 and read verses 1 to 3 to yourself. Verse 3 says, God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Based on the new song he put after God answered my prayer. Really great stuff. I'm going to tell this last one. I'm going to tell it real quick. I, uh, any of you know what a super soaker is? The kids do. Highly powerful water jet pistol, right? I love those things way more than I should. Okay. So I'm sitting down watching the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a year where they're not doing so well. And all of a sudden, I see a squirt of black, what looks like ink, flash across my eye. And then I see a squirt flash across my other eye. And then I watch in horror as there's more squirts. And then I realize that my eyes are slowly filling up with blackness. And what's happening is my eyes are filling up with blood. Because I'm a diabetic and my eye circulation is not good. And so my eyes tell the brain our circulation isn't good. The brain says to the eyes, grow more blood vessels. So these baby blood vessels start to grow, only they can't handle adult blood pressure. And so they explode. And halfway through the day, I could go like this and make waves of black blood in my eyes. By the end of the day, I was blind. Completely, completely blind. The top eye doctor in Winnipeg had only one thing to say to me. He said, you're going blind. Deal with it. That's a, a direct quote. And while I have love for the guy, I only love him because God tells me I need to love everyone. That was a tough moment for me. Nobody could fix me. We had prayer sessions. We had everybody at church praying. Nobody could fix me. But I didn't cry. Because I believed all the stuff I've shared with you today. And I'm sitting in my chair, in my home. This time I'm listening to the bomber game because I can't see it. And I'm imagining, for some strange reason, my daughter's wedding. And dads, when your daughters get married, many of you will have the privilege of what? Walking her down the aisle. And when you get to the end of the aisle, many of you will have the privilege to lift your daughter's veil and give her a goodbye kiss and hand her to the jerk. I mean, the person, the man who's going to be her fiance or her husband. And I imagined walking her down the aisle. And I imagined getting there and lifting her veil. The problem is when I lifted her veil, there was a dark hole where her face would be. And then I realized that at my daughter's wedding, I would not see her. And then I cried. And you know what the difference is between a regular cry and an ugly cry is, right? I mean, the snot was flowing. It was not pretty. And all of a sudden, a three-year-old little girl, my only daughter, hears her daddy crying. 
She runs into the room and she jumps on my lap. And this is not a lie. Every word I have told you today is true. But this is amazing. My daughter, who I have never taught how to pray this laying on of hands prayer. Because often when we pray for someone, we anoint them with oil or we lay our hands on them and ask for their healing. She lays her hands on my eyes. And she says, dear God, please heal my daddy's eyes. She's three. And then she says, amen. And then I'm assuming she was looking at me. Because she looks at me and she goes, it's okay, daddy. You can stop crying now because God's got it covered. A three-year-old had more faith than I did that God was going to receive glory through my blindness, whether or not my sight came back. Because if I had still blind today, you'd wonder how a blind guy is, is preaching in front of you today. And God would receive glory. But ladies and gentlemen, less than six months later, I could see. And it's because through a three-year-old, God wanted to get glory. I don't know what challenges you're going through. I have no idea what crises you face. I know what Camille faces. I know what Dennis faces because I work with them every day. And I will not make light of anything you're going through because I don't know. Because I don't live in Killarney, although I may be here for a while depending on what's going on with my truck. But my point is, the scriptures say that God will not allow us to go through any challenge or any crisis that we cannot face without his help, without his power. There's no way Camille and Dennis can get through their addictions without the Lord's help and power. Otherwise, they would not have those addictions. There's no way I could have gone blind without God's power. Otherwise, God wouldn't have let me go blind. I have kidney disease. God has not removed kidney disease from my life. I want him to, because I'll need a transplant in 10 years. But he's not taking it away. And you know how I can handle that? Because I've got God to help me handle it, and because it will give him glory. I have a story about kidney disease and how it led three men that didn't know Jesus to the Lord. I've got stories about so much nasty stuff that's gone in my life that I can tell you. Suffice it to say, whatever you're going through, go to Psalm 40. Cry out to the Lord. Turn to him. He will hear you. The Bible says he will turn to you. He will incline himself to you. He will lift you out of the muck and the mire. He will set your feet on a rock. He will give you a firm place to stand and put a song in your mouth that will lead other people to know the Lord. Because you will not go through something that you cannot handle with his help. That's true, because that's what the Bible says. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's leave it there. I hope the Lord has moved you in regards to your situation today. I hope the Lord has inspired you regarding Union Gospel. 
I worked for 10 years in the Filipino church in Filipino. Uh, salamat po means thank you very much. Mahalo in Hawaiian means thank you. You make what we do, changing lives and giving God glory possible. And while this is my first time in Killarney, um, I'm going to beg Union Gospel Mission to allow me to come back. Have a wonderful day.